everyone, Kate here, host of the Primitive Podcast, and uh, we're going to do something a little different today. I'm actually going to be the one answering the questions, um, just like all of our, our past guests have related to you know their background and, and their business and some fun things like that. And so you may not be interested in hearing you know my, my story and Primitive's story or whatever, um, but our team is looking forward to doing it. On today's episode, I actually have our director of marketing at Primitive, uh, Morgan. Uh, she's with me, and she's actually going to be kind of hosting the site. And so it's fun to have her on the show today, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking through some of these questions. to for me to get to know this part of you too Kate as um, still newer to the company and learning about everything and I think for me one of the most interesting parts of every podcast that we've done so far is hearing the background of everyone and getting to know them a little bit better and see where they come from being new to Lubbock that's been really interesting so can you start off with kind of your background yeah. and how you got yeah, into yeah. Primitive? Yeah, happy to. And thanks for, for letting us uh, hijack your day and just like walking over to your desk and saying, hey, uh, surprise, Morgan, you're going to be hosting a podcast today. So uh, this is Morgan's very first podcast, and I'm certain she's going to absolutely uh, crush it. Um, yeah, so just briefly, uh, I grew up in a really small town called Nazareth, population 340. Uh, my mom's one of nine children, um, and so I had the great fortune and, and luxury of growing up with tons and tons of first cousins. Um, and so I uh, just absolutely loved, loved my time growing up, and in so many ways, especially in hindsight, now that I can kind of look back on that time, in so many ways, uh, I, I am exactly uh, who that community and that time in my life, um, you know, I, it shaped me. Um, and, and so much of, of, of really who I am as a leader and, and the way that I lead and the way that I work specifically was really formed and shaped by my upbringing in Nazareth. Uh, my, my granddad, uh, we call him Papa, he, he's just the best, best person, I mean, in my entire life. And he's just an amazing, amazing man. Um, worked his absolute brains out his whole life. I mean, didn't even make it through junior high because he is working on the farm. Um, served in World War II, lived through the Dust Bowl, um, raised nine children, provided for, for, for his family, uh, happily married to my grandmother for 60 plus years. Um, just an amazing, amazing man. And so, so my early years uh, were spent in Nazareth playing tons of sports, had an amazing family, super thankful for my parents, uh, got to grow up with my cousins, like I said, had amazing friends, um, just, just a remarkable time. And uh, I could spend a whole podcast <laughs> talking about that, in fact. Um, so I uh, grew up in Nazareth, um, graduated from there, went to college, basically because I had to. I've always hated school. Took me five years. I think my GPA in college was under 3.0. Um, it was just terrible. It was a terrible experience. <laughs> but I, I, I suffered through it for five years, ended up with a history degree, ultimately ended up going to seminary at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, at the time, really wanted to be a, a church planter and kind of uh, work in ministry in that way. I'm really thankful for that time. I, I basically worked in churches and at a church camp. I was the executive director of it. Uh, for about 10 years and again in that phase of my life just learned a ton about about leadership and organization and leading things and leading people um, it's just a remarkable kind of phase of my life and and one i'm really appreciative of the thing i'm most appreciative about that phase of my life is that's really when i realized and understood i was an entrepreneur you know one of the things i regret about my growing up in, in college years is i wasn't really a part of anything that helped me identify 
um, that I had an entrepreneurial spirit. And even more than an entrepreneurial spirit is that, that a lot of my skill sets align with being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so uh, during that kind of phase of my life, I, I got to become the executive director at a very young age. Um, I was 25, not married. And I got to become the executive director of a church camp. It's a 70-year-old you know, church camp out in the middle of nowhere, um, really small budget, you know, 400-acre property. And I just, it was like a, a, a blank canvas. And I got to raise money and create programs and remodel buildings and lead an organization. And it was a real risk-free environment. We had a lot of summer staff, but that was pretty much it. And so I, I got to learn about hiring and firing and all the, all the things that go into managing people. And I didn't know it at the time, but that, that season would be really instructive uh, and, and, and really um, informative of the season I'm in now, uh, where we are with all of our businesses and, and the teams that we have. And so uh, it was during that time uh, when I was working in the church that, just to be candid, I didn't want to live on $40,000 a year. And so, um, so my wife and I uh, started thinking through some things that we could do for some supplemental income. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that we started Primitive. And so one of my best friends, Maddie McLean, um, suggested uh, to us, you know, or really said, had y'all ever considered managing businesses' Facebook pages? And of course we hadn't, um, but it was really good timing uh, because my wife and I, Lacey, uh, had started researching how to make money through blogging. And so right as we were in that kind of uh, phase of our life, researching that and figuring out how to utilize Lacey's really good writing skills to, to make some supplemental income, he suggested we do that. Long story short, we started managing businesses' Facebook pages and did that for about three and a half years. And at that, about the three and a half, four-year mark, uh, my same friend Maddie, who helped us start the business, referred to it as a hobby. And, um, and it really pissed me off because I'm, I'm competitive. And, and, and uh, when he referred to it as a hobby, you know, it made me mad. I'm like, it's not a hobby. This is a real yeah. business. And in reality, he was, he was spot on. It wasn't a real business. It was, it was a hobby. I mean, we had no uh, systems and processes. We had no staff. We had no sales strategy. Um, we had real, no organizational structure. And so that's when our life really changed dramatically. So at the end of 2013, I started establishing some some goals and objectives for for what what would we become you know a real business and primitive, and the rest is history. So from 2014, um, you know to now we've gone from basically no employees and under 100,000 a year in revenue to almost a four million dollar business and 60 employees at, at primitive plus several other businesses. So it's been an absolute uh, blast and an absolute journey. Um, Lacey uh, has been really fun to, to build our business with. Uh, got two two amazing kids, Sela nine, K seven. Um, absolute best best parts of me for sure are my family. We love to travel, have fun, and uh, are in love with our dog Prince. So that's uh, probably more background than you wanted, but there it is. Yeah, it's all really interesting. Like, didn't know that you went to seminary or all, yeah. any of that. So most really, people really don't. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> most people don't correlate <laughs> Cade and, and we're uh, all seminary. lucky that uh, he challenged your hobby. Yeah, me too. The competitive spirit. <laughs> I'm I'm glad he did. Being competitive as well, that <laughs> I could understand that and wanting to build that out. With all the different organizations and things that you're involved in, how do you see your role as a leader? not just with Primitive, but in all of the organizations you're part of? Yeah, it's a fun fun question to ponder. Um, there's a, a couple of things that come to my mind. First, first and f foremost would be uh, vision, would be like, you know, who, who do we aspire to be and, and where are we going and how are we going to get there? So whether it's for Primitive or whether it's for Fast Pay or whether it's for Elevated Accounting or, or whatever, whatever the goal, whatever the organization would be, I feel like my number one responsibility is, is being able to see the future. 
Um, not that it's going to be you know, perfect or accurate every single time, but I think every organization has to have someone who's always thinking ahead and always thinking about the future um, so that they can then craft a actual roadmap or a plan to get, to get from where we are mm -hmm. to where we're wanting to go. Um, and so not only do I think that's my responsibility uh, in our organizations, but, uh, but it's, it's probably the thing I love the most and, and the thing that I'm probably the best at, and that is trying to imagine the future and then creating a pathway or, or, or a roadmap a to, to, to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first responsibility I feel in our organization. The second thing is, is really um, establishing and setting the tone for our culture. Uh, by no means do I think I'm the only person responsible for creating our culture, speaking into our culture, uh, at Primitive especially, and our organi other organizations as well, but especially Primitive because you know, it's much larger and we have a chief of staff and all this fun stuff. It, it, you know, it's my job to, I believe, speak into the culture and to prioritize our culture. Uh, but what's really fun is that it's really a group effort in terms of, of, of determining what that culture is. Like, who do we aspire to be? And what does that actually mean? Like, what do we mean by, you know, our culture at Primitive or FastPay or other organizations? Um, and, and so I see that as really my second responsibility is to really make sure that we're cultivating and nurturing our culture and that our leadership team specifically is really owning that. And then by an extension of our leadership team, the rest of our team. And so those are the two, uh, those are the two uh, major things that I feel responsible for. And then lastly, and I, this might fall under culture, I'm, I'm not really for sure, but it, it, it seems really important to me and I, I feel a great responsibility for it. And that is kind of setting the tone for our organization. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of organizations uh, are impacted by the personality of their leaders. And that can be both a positive thing and a negative thing. And so I feel a great responsibility to make sure that, that I'm like individually really healthy um, and, and positive and optimistic and, and working hard and disciplined and organized and all these things that I want for our company. Leading I by feel, example. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that sounds so kind of cliche, doesn't it? Because everyone says it. But uh, I feel like that's my unique responsibility in that, you know, as I lead, so we go. Mm -hmm. And that means something different based on the size of your organization and how many leaders you have. Um, but I, I still feel like um, I still feel like that's something really critical for my leadership. So those are the those are the three things that come to my mind as it relates to, you know, how I contribute, you know, what, what, what my leadership means to the organization and what I think of when I think of my leadership. Do you see your leadership role any different with when you're leading your leadership team versus when you're leading people under the leadership team? Yeah, hundred percent. And this is something, it's a great question. This, this is something that really has become more visible and more obvious the, the larger we get. So much of what we've experienced over the last seven or eight years of building companies as we're learning as we go. I mean, I think of some major horror stories, you know, that I'm the author of, you know, like just whether it was poor decisions or, or whatever the case would be over the last five plus years. And so it's so fun, you know, to to learn as you go and to apply that learning to your future. And um, relative to your question, this is this is one of the things that I think of is that, you know, it's it's been a major adjustment for me figuring out like what our organizations need for me based on kind of the life phase they're in. So as of a couple of years ago, we had no leadership team. It's like Jared and I. It was Jared and I with you know thirty or you know twenty or thirty other people, and like there was no what what we might call middle middle management or middle leadership. And so, 
what was needed of me in our organization uh, at that time compared to what is needed of me now is radically different. And, uh, and it's been really difficult, honestly, to kind of learn as we go and, and kind of reposition my leadership and, and learn more about myself and, and how, how I should lead based on exactly what you just said, which is like, now my primary responsibility is leading our leadership team who is leading the entire company, including our clients. Like it's been a major adjustment for me, even kind of letting go Step of being the primary that. person who's holding on to the client and the client always needing me, yeah. right? And so uh, that that's probably been the most interest, interesting thing for me from a leader, leadership perspective is understanding when something is no longer my role, but also there are other people who are so much better at it than me, you know? Yeah. And that's been a major adjustment going, oh wow, Jessica, um, is better at leading clients and developing relationships with clients than I am, right? And that's a good thing. And you mm -hmm. want that in your leaders, but it's been a major adjustment for sure. Yeah. You mentioned that there's been times where things haven't gone necessarily the way that you wanted them to go. Um, how do you approach those learnings and the um, opportunities that come from failure? Yeah, I love this one. Um, we have a lot of weaknesses. I have a lot of weaknesses, okay? And so when I talk about one of our strengths, I want to make it really clear that I'm, I'm every bit as aware of, if not more aware of my weaknesses and our organization's weaknesses than I am of my strengths or our strengths. Having said that, I think one of my strengths and I think one of our organization's strengths is learning from, from mistakes and learning from failure. And I, I would unequivocally say that the thing that has influenced our success the most in, 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 in any, any endeavor, whether it's primitive or fast pay or elevated accounting or, or the consulting projects I work on or whatever the case is, the single thing that has influenced them the most has been what we've learned as we're failing. Um, I think about, you know, the season we had over the last, um, you know, probably late 2017 through 2018, maybe early 2019. And it was a really rough stretch at Primitive uh, for a lot of reasons. But what we learned through going through that and even in hindsight and kind of reflecting on that season has made more of an impact positively on our organization, not just in the now, like right now, like today, mm -hmm. but also how we view the future and how we make actual organizational decisions, whether it's with the types of clients we work with or the way we handle our finances or particularly our hiring practices and the way we approach our culture. And so uh, I, I genuinely do not believe that I would be where I'm at and our organizations would be where they are at if it wasn't for continual failure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so uh, it, it's, it's been wildly helpful to fail. And it's not fun no. and it's very painful and for a lot of reasons, both, you know, on the human side, it's painful because, you you know, there are relationships that are broken, whether it's either with mm -hmm. clients or whether it's past employees. Um, and yet those things are the things that are really refining and the things that have really positioned us, um, you know, where we are today. And I think where we are today is, is we are more healthy today than we are, have been. We have a long ways to go. We have a lot of things to improve in and, and improve upon. Um, but what we've learned from failure has 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 been remarkable. Yeah, I think a lot of people can shy away from failure because it's it's scary. It, like you said, it's hard. It's not fun. But there's a lot to be said about having the opportunity to fail and learning from it. And um, I think always facing it as a way to grow and see what you can develop from it and learn from. 
I think without failure, you're not growing. You're 100% right. Yeah, it's, it, failure is really inconvenient. <laughs> you know, it's really inconvenient, but it's really instructive. I think even practically about primitive specifically and what we've learned from failure over the last five plus years, and there are two or three things that immediately come to my mind that have been dramatically impacted in the positive sense from past failure related to our culture and staffing. Um, we made a lot of hiring decisions that were wrong. Um, and, and just the process was broken. Um, our culture wasn't clearly defined. And so a lot of times we weren't good for an individual. So it's not that the people who are no longer on our team or that we've let go or have gone different directions, it's not that they were always the one that wasn't a good fit for primitive. It's that a lot of times primitive was not a good fit for them. So it wasn't good for them, not just they weren't good for primitive. Mm -hmm. And so when I think practically about failure, you know, our hiring, uh, the way that we hire and the way we approach our culture has absolutely and fundamentally been impacted um, by uh, failure. Uh, the way that we manage our finances um, has dramatically been impacted by failure. The way we view growth, like everyone wants to grow their organization. Like it's just kind of like if you own a business or, or you're in charge of an organization, of course you want to grow. But the way that we grow and at the velocity in which we grow has, has been dramatically impacted by failure. And um, I'm really thankful for that. And I, I think our organization is better today and, and will be better in the future because of what we've learned from those very tangible, very real, you know, mistakes and, and seasons of failure. So, Is there anything that you specifically do, like when you have a moment of failure um, where it's that you go through, like learning from that? What's your process to learn from? Yeah, it should probably be more formal. It's a good question. And, and when you ask it, it makes me think that I, I should have a more formal process. But there's a couple of things that, that, that we do that I do that I think uh, really help us extract out of that failure everything that we can in order to instruct our future. Um, and the first thing we do is we talk about it as, as a leadership team. One thing I really value about failure is seeing how other people absorb that failure, what they see of that failure, what they learned of that failure. So it's not just like, what did Cade learn from that failure? What did Jared learn from that mm -hmm. failure? It is, what did a whole group of people learn from that failure? And that can be really illuminating because, you know, Jessica or Heather or Annie may see something very different from that failure. They may see a different angle of it, and that's really instructive. So we do that. And then the other thing is, is I think about it a lot. So we talk about it as a leadership team, but, but I think about it for months. You know, um, I, I really enjoy running, and one of the things I enjoy about running is, especially when you're running really long distances, is you got a lot of time to think uh, because you're out there, you know, 20-something hours a week, and you're just thinking. And so I spend probably over half of my time running, thinking about organizations and things that worked and things that didn't. And I, I try not, I, I am not a dweller at all, um, but I try to, to, to sit on failure for a while uh, or things that contributed to that failure to really make sure that I'm honest with myself about what caused the failure. I think a lot of times people, when they think of failure, they immediately think of other people. <laughs> what did other people do? What, what, what were things outside of my control? I don't really think about those things, honestly, um, or, or I try not to. I, if I do, I try to move on from it very quickly. I want to know what I did. I want to know what our organization did. I want to know what our team contributed. Okay, did, did, the client, did the client contribute to the failure or did a former employee contribute to the failure? Identify that, acknowledge it, but then move on from it. And then really look at yourself in the mirror and say, what did I contribute to this failure? Because that is, that is, that's the gold. You know, that's the, that's the thing that is going to instruct your future the most. Um, and it's a really, really powerful thing. So that's how I try to approach it. That's good. Um, 
Now, from failure, we've kind of talked about how you grow that way. What are some other ways that you grow as a leader? Um, any books that you read, any tactical advice that you can give on how you're growing? As yeah, a these are pretty practical. First of all, I have some like really great, you know, friends. Um, I don't know that I'd call them mentors because I don't spend a ton of time with them, but they're, they're, they're leaders in our community and, and leaders of other businesses that I really enjoy learning from and observing. So it's, it's more like uh, learning by watching, you know, and, and I have access to them. And so um, certainly there are times where I get asked a lot of questions over a meal or whatever. Um, and so that, that's been wildly beneficial. Um, I'm a huge podcast listener. Um, and so a lot of times when I'm not, you know, just thinking of my own thoughts while I'm running or traveling, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts, just learning from other people's perspectives. And, and, and most of the time when I'm listening to the podcast, certainly when I'm learning is substantive, but it's, it's really the ideas it sparks in my own mind mm -hmm. and how it's applicable to our organizations. That's really valuable. I like to read. I, I certainly don't read as much as my wife, who reads about 130 books a year. Um, but I do like reading, and I learn a lot from reading. I love reading, uh, you know, Inc. and Fast Company again because it, it sparks ideas and interest mm -hmm. in our own organizations from seeing what other people are doing. So those are those are the primary ways um, I like to learn. This sounds really weird, but I learn a lot by by doing ultra races. I, I love uh, signing up for you know trail trail marathons or uh, ultra marathons. What I learn about myself and what I gain from the the process and the discipline of running those races is it, it brings a huge benefit to my leadership and to our organizations. And again, I could have a whole podcast on on that. Maybe we should do that sometime. Um, but, but I learn a lot about myself, um, and, uh, my strengths and weaknesses about my leadership by signing up for those races and training for them. So those are the, those are the things I do. I think there's a lot to be said about doing something and pushing yourself to make that that's harder than what you think you would be able to do because then that sets your next mental standard of where you think you're capable. Of. I mean, you're spot on. I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, so, um, this morning I, I did my run really, really, really early and I was not feeling it. I was not feeling the alarm. I was not feeling the particular run. Um, yesterday, I decided to get on a bike for the first time and did like a 35 minute ride with a friend. Mm -hmm. And I've never, like, I have a triathlon bike. I've never rode it on asphalt, okay? So like I've ridden on a trainer, but that's just stationary. So he talked me into going out on this like 40 minute bike ride. So I was tired this morning. Mm -hmm. My legs were heavy from that bike ride. I had, it was more or less a speed workout and uh, which requires a lot more effort than just kind of mindlessly jogging around. And I mean, I literally thought to myself the whole run, like there's no part of me that wants to be doing this. And, and so I have a decision. I can wimp out and stop 30 minutes, 30 minutes in and yeah. just say it wasn't my day. Um, or I could just not start at all and maybe do it this afternoon when maybe I'm feeling a little bit better. But I literally had this thought. It's like, no, if you do that now, you're going to do that in the rest of your work. Because there are things every day that I have to do at work that I don't want to do. And there are things that you and, and, and the people listening to this podcast, there are things on all of our lists that we don't want to do. And that ability to tell yourself, part of my friends, to kind of shut up, mm -hmm. you know, and do what you're supposed to do yeah. is like wildly beneficial. And the more discipline wins and the less excuses win, the better you become as a person. I mean, like I was just thinking, uh, well, anyway, we're, we're about to launch off into a whole new podcast, <laughs> but 
running and training, training for races, mm -hmm. it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better Christian. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better leader because it's an opportunity every day to uh, allow discipline to win, to make discipline win and not excuses. Yeah. And if you think about any area of your life, we all have excuses galore. Yeah. Like all of us have excuses regardless of what, what the thing is. We have a lot of excuses. And training for races is a really great way to cultivate and nurture discipline that then bleeds into every area of your life mm -hmm. and it's wildly beneficial. So sorry for that little rabbit trail, um, <laughs> but it's it's been really impactful in my life and um, yeah. I think it's a really valuable part of my leadership. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing when you look at the mental correlation between what you're doing physically and different things that you're doing and how that can interpret the rest of the things that you do. Absolutely. Whether it's yeah. daily habits or things like that. So you've mentioned how important your family is to you. Um, I get to work with your wife, Lacey, and she's awesome. How do you manage balancing family time, work time, the travel that you like to do with them? How do, how do you yeah. work that out? One of my favorite things about the businesses that we own is that you can work from anywhere all the time. Now, that's obviously something you have to be careful, right? Because any, everybody can be burned out and you, know, you can overdo anything in life. But one of the things I'm immensely grateful for is the way that we've built our organizations is we've, we've built them in such a way that if you have a laptop and a cell phone and good, good service, you can work. And, and not just kind of work, but do really good work. And so one of the, the benefits of, of creating our organizations in such a way, uh, in that way, is that we can travel a lot. And so for my family, uh, we love to travel. So we, we own a cabin uh, that, that, we, that we go to regularly, um, and we own a motorhome, and we use it a lot. And so for me, the most energizing thing that I, I can do is two things. I love to train for races, and I love to travel with my family. And so when I, when I start getting anxious or antsy or, or, or kind of over the work grind, um, any, any of those things uh, benefit me greatly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm immensely grateful that, you know, I can travel and not compromise my leadership of our organizations or, you know, leave my teammates out to dry or leave our clients out to dry. And so in terms of kind of work-life balance, there's really no, I don't really view it as a balance. I, I just... I, I see all of my life, right? Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning and you go to yeah. bed at night and you have all these things in your life you're responsible for, you know, your relationship with Jesus, your, your wife, your children, your organizations, your family, your friends, mm -hmm. all those things are my responsibility. And they're all things that I immensely love. And I don't see it as something to balance as much as I see it as something to enjoy. And so when I wake up, I'm working. When I go to bed, I'm working. But it's working on those different things, right? It's yeah. working on yourself. It's working on your family. It's working on your children. It's working on your businesses. And so, um, and so I don't really see this dichotomy between like work and life. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like all life and it's all to be immensely enjoyed. Um, and yet when I feel myself maybe uh, you know, getting run down or a bit imbalanced, training for races and traveling with my family, like we go to national parks and state parks and national monuments and we go on these epic trips and, um, you know, with the nine and seven year old, I, I, Lacey and I really believe those are the things that they're going to like remember mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's a real privilege and a real honor to get to be able to do those things with him. And even talking about it gives me energy. Yep. You're <laughs> so. ready to get ready on the next trip. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to be said about being able to, with the companies that we have, work wherever. Because, I mean, you interviewed yeah. me on yeah, when that's you right. on the road. That's right. Yeah, we, yeah, we had your interview on, on, on Zoom. And, I mean, I, I think that's something really unique about kind of, you know, where, 
where, you know, we're at related to just technology and all these things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad's worked at the same bank for almost 40 years, which is awesome. But that's not really how it works anymore. And the companies that we're building, we very intentionally have built um, distributed teams and and work that we can we can do and, and and value we can provide our clients without having to always be face to face. Now there's a lot of value in being face to face, and we have that. But that's the real beauty about the businesses we're building and the way we've tried to 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 build those organizations is we're not going to compromise on that because we we like our team to be able to travel and experience things. We like being able to work remotely and be distributed. And so for us, we've just chosen to build our organizations in a way that really accommodate that. And there are a lot of challenges with that that we can talk about some other time, but there's there's tremendous benefits. Yeah. So I think probably that entrepreneurship spirit that you defined uh, um, the church camp and stuff probably has enforced that of building companies that allow you to still do what you want to do the rest of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've kind of talked about some books and uh, the group of friends that you find as mentors. What are some, who have been some of the biggest personal influences on your own leadership journey? Man, I'm really fortunate in this regards and I'll, I'll certainly leave some people out because that's that's something I've always been really passionate about and committed to is like having like really good meaningful relationships and I've had a lot of different unique experiences and and the best thing about those unique experiences is the people that I've been able to connect with so I have a long list inevitably I'll 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 certainly leave some folks off but um, you know my parents have influenced me as as much as anybody uh, growing up in, in in Nazareth and getting to be around my my family and especially my grandparents. Um, I don't know why, but my papa had a massive impact on me. Um, from very early on, I can remember admiring him and loving him and, and, and observing. Like, I got to spend a ton of one-on-one time with my granddad. I mean, f- my whole life. Um, and just what I learned by observing and watching him work specifically is a huge impact. Um, man, I, I, could go, I could go on and on and on. I mean, there, there, there's a guy named Bruce Howard. Um, who for 10 plus years made a huge impact on my life. He, he has 11 children. He's a science teacher. He's a pastor of a really small church in a rural community. And the way that he loves his family, the way he leads his family, you know, the, the way he leads himself um, made a massive impact on me at a time in my life where I, I really, really needed that. And so he made a huge uh, impact on me. Um, Dusty Thompson, um, our, the lead pastor of our, of our church called Redeemer, uh, made a huge impact on me on the nearly four years that I got to work under his leadership. Uh, Dan Pope, our, our mayor here in Lubbock, has become a really, really good friend and has, uh, has, has really uh, helped me grow as a leader. He's like really patient and really wise, and I'm really impatient and a lot of times unwise. And so it's been fun, um, you know, to learn from him. And so again, I'm, I'm really fortunate in this, in this regard. I, I have a whole list of people I could keep going through that have made a huge impact on me. My father-in-law, uh, one of my three best friends, uh, been really good friends with him for over 13 years now. Um, and he is, he's made a huge impact on me. Um, yeah, so I could keep going. <laughs> um, I'm really, really thankful, uh, for the number of people I have in my life and, and, and the people who have influenced me so greatly. Um, it's, it's something I'm just, I'm immensely thankful for. If you were to, um, influence your 20 year old self, what would, what would be the advice you'd give to How much more time do we have? (laughs) Oh man, I've made so many poor decisions and, you know, bonehead moves and, you know, whatever. But a couple of things come to my mind. One, one is 
is like to learn patience. I mean, whether it's relationally, whether it's financially, whether it has to do with growing our organization, whether it has to do with hiring, you know, basically my entire life could, could be benefit from like growing and learning patience. Um, so that would be by far the first thing. Um, the second thing would be is, uh, like, I, f- I feel like I'm fairly disciplined, but I wish I was more disciplined. I, I wish my 20 year old self would have taken things more seriously and more earnestly. I was like in my 20s really trying to figure out what the heck I was and you know where I should go and what I should do. And I think that um, I wish I had someone in my life at that time to like kind of like slap me across the head and you know say what you need to do is work and, and learn some grit and, and learn some discipline. And so those are, those are the two things that, you know, if I were talking to a 20-year-old Cade or a 20-year-old in general, um, <laughs> I would say you got to learn patience and you got to learn how to be disciplined and you can learn how to be disciplined in a variety of ways. But it's, you know, it's something I'm constantly talking to my nine and seven-year-old about. It's like, you, you're going to learn how to love Jesus. You're going to learn how to love your family. And you're going to learn how to work. You're mm-hmm. going to learn how to be disciplined because the fruits, I mean, there's so, so, so much fruit to that. And so those are the things that I would, I would want to tell a 20 year old Kate. It's a little <laughs> frightening actually to think about a 20 year old Kate. So I'm going to stop talking about him now. Well, great advice. And, um, it's been good to learn more about you and learn more about the, how you got to primitive and how all of this started and all the history of it. All yeah, well, you've done a great job. I'm, I'm starting to think that you should be the new host of the Primitive Podcast, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be behind the scenes or something. So thanks for, thanks for doing this. And I, I want to just take this moment to thank our listeners. You know, whether, whether we have 20 of them or, or 20,000 of them, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really a privilege to me that, that people would listen and engage our content. And so I just want to take this time to, to thank you for listening and sharing with your friends and really excited about a lot of the episodes that we co- have coming up and hope that it's instructive and helpful for your own life, your own leadership, and, and your own business. So thanks, uh, thanks for listening.